Awesome. Well, uh, good evening, YA. How are you guys doing? I'll ask this side. How are you guys doing? How are you guys doing? Awesome, awesome. Well, um, I'm glad you guys are here worshiping with us tonight. If you've not met me before, uh, whether you're here online, my name is Aaron Kajumba. I serve here as a high school pastor. It's a joy. It's a joy. Thank you. Uh, God is good to us. God is good to this ministry. God is good to um, our church and has been, continued to bless us. And as you guys are here tonight, we're here to talk about the word like it's, like it's been sung and uh, even voted a, a, against or whatever. Um, it's all about Jesus. And so what I'd like us to do uh, right now is actually uh, jump into this text in Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be talking about what it means to be passionately patient. Say passionately. Patient. And that's where we are today. And we're going to be talking about a guy called Simeon. Now, last week, Pastor Brian talked to us about a lady called Anna and just walked us through that text in Luke chapter 2. And now we're looking at Simeon. And if you guys have your Bibles and you can open your smart devices or whatnot, Luke chapter 2, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke. So third Bible, third chapter, third books, one of those things. Uh, in the New Testament, if you don't have a Bible, we have some at the back. You can grab one for free, a gift from us to you because we do love you. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, we're going to see uh, the first opening text, and it talks about this man called Simeon. Now, for context, uh, what's happening is, this, is that Jesus, his parents, are bringing him to the temple. And this is for a cleansing ceremony. So usually after 40 days of having given birth, ladies in, uh, who are Jewish would end up going to uh, the synagogue to be cleansed. And so they were following uh, this, this whole thing and trying to be devout and righteous before God. And so we pick up where his parents meet Simeon in Luke 2.25. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. Now in the whole Bible, we only have one verse only. One verse that describes who this man was. And it says that he was a righteous man. Now you might look at your neighbor, look in the eyes, if you guys don't mind, real quick. Okay, everyone here wants to be met, praise God. Look at people real quick and say, righteous. What does it mean to be righteous? This is a big Christianese word that we have used often. But what it means to be righteous is to have right standing with God, to be in his good books. And according to this text, the one verse in the Bible about Simeon, it says that he was righteous. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 3.10, which is actually quoting uh, Psalms, that there's no one righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one follows God. So how is he made righteous? He's made righteous because he is devout, he is trusted, and put his faith in God. And for some of us, our faith is in prayer, not in the God who answers prayer. Our faith is in fasting. Our faith is in the relationship. Faith is all these different things. But what God is telling us here is that you're made righteous because of your faith in Jesus. And so in Malachi 4.2, we read this text uh, because we know that this man, Simeon, talking about waiting, has been waiting for a while. And in Malachi 4.2, we see this verse that says, But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness, will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. He's saying that this 
this righteousness is coming, and he is that righteousness. He gives that to us, and he's coming. Now, Malachi was written 400 years before our friend Simeon. So beyond the 400 years where there's been silence, meaning no prophet from God has spoken from Malachi to the New Testament ever, you begin to hear nothing, silence, emptiness. What is he looking forward to? How does he have hope? Because his faith, again, is in God. His faith is in the promise. His faith is fixed in Jesus and on Jesus. And I would say this, that ultimately that kind of a faith where you are putting your trust in something you can't see, where, again, 400 years at least of silence, that kind of faith is only set aside for the righteous. Okay, are you getting that? It's only for the righteous. If you've not given your life to Jesus, you can't have this ability to wait. And I'm not trying to single people out in this room and say, hey, you need to uh, trust this God. I'm saying that you really need to trust this God, to have this ability to wait to wait for, yes, your loved one. There is no one, sorry. But to wait for that. Like, how do you wait for that? You must have the righteousness of God. How do you, me, myself, Aaron Kajuba, 31 years old, married four years. March 23rd, 2023 will be five years. How do we, my wife and I, who are healthy young people, wait to have children? How do you do that? How do you do that? You must be living a life that is given to God and not to things that come and go. Waiting is reserved for the righteous. And again, a righteous is not on our own ability, but it's fixed on God. In 2 Peter 3, well, I'll say it again. It says that it actually takes, it takes a lot of courage for us to wait. Psalms 27, 14 says that we are to wait for the Lord, to be strong and to take heart and to wait for the Lord. Interestingly enough about when you read the Old Testament or any Hebrew writing, there's a thing called repetition. And repetition is usually used to highlight something. And he goes, wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. It's said twice, be strong and take heart because it takes courage to wait. Second Peter 3 8 says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. Now that's a very discouraging verse for me. I don't know about you, but a thousand. Man, I've been waiting for a while. Some of you guys are like, I'm pushing 30 now. Where's the man? Like, where, like, what's going on? Or because what happens if you guys are being real, right? What happens? A lot of people they end up, you know dating together. Then a lot of people get engaged together. They have babies together. Am I lying? You guys know this, right? And you're like, what, what's happening in my life? Like, where are those things happening for me? People are buying houses, doing all the different things. And you're like, Lord, like, this thousand-year thing, I'm not about it. How do you have courage during this time? Well, 2 Peter 3.9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. I learned this in the, in the King James. It says he's not slack. In keeping his promise. As some count slowness, instead, he is patient with you, not wanting for anyone to perish. And he's talking about salvation ultimately, but the reality is that this God keeps his promises. He always keeps his promises. And if you were to end this message now and be like, hey, this is it, that we can be passionately patient because our God always keeps his promises. In Luke 2.26, we begin to see more about this man, Simeon. It says that it has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that would be such an encouraging thing, knowing that I can't die until I've seen this promise fulfilled. Like if I really believed it, 
Like you really lived a life with a Christian trusting that what he said was true, right? Like if my wife said you can't eat that, I'd be like, babe, I have to see the Messiah. I'm going to eat all the fries I want, okay? Like Thanksgiving, that's my thing every single, don't worry, this weight, don't worry. No heart pressure, no, nothing's going to go wrong because I have to see the Messiah. He has this promise that God told him and he's holding on to this. And I think it's not just put in scripture for us just to be like, oh, it's just there. No, it's put there with purpose to know that there is a way for us to wait and to hold on to God's promises. See, what happens as we are in this waiting period, and if you guys don't know Advent, which we're in this season, the word Advent is a word that means anticipation. And the first Advent was waiting for Jesus' coming. People were waiting for him to come. And now we are now waiting for his return. We're living on the other side of that promise. But the question is then, as we see this, this side of, of, of God and his promises, we begin to see ourselves. And we have this picture that we put God in or it's bucket we put God in because our patience or impatience during that waiting period for anything, results, a job, a spouse, whatever it is, says a lot about how we view our God. How we wait speaks volumes about how we view our God. So the question is, how can we wait on God when the stakes are high? How do you wait when the stakes are high? Because you're, you're out there and you're like, God, you don't understand, God. Where are you, God? You don't see my pain. It's like he's far away. And that's how it feels in the middle of that waiting. In fact, sometimes you think about it, that waiting kind of puts more doubts on God, right? You begin to doubt his promise. You begin to look at him and say, God, you are not truth. You are liar. You're not who you say you are. That's where we, we lie. But again, I'm saying this from seeming we know that we can be patient because we have a promise. In this Bible that we read and we talk about, and across this room, there's a, uh, if you guys can look to the left or right, there's a, a, a sign that says that God's people delight in God's word. And in this Bible, there's about 8,810 promises, of which 7,487 of them are being promises that are made to humankind, meaning general, just people, right? Not specifically to the Jews, not specifically to Christians, just people. These are all the promises in this book. And if you truly delight in God's word, if you're being a person who says you live and love like Jesus, if you are in this room lifting your hands and saying it's all about Jesus, then you will trust the living word. See, the promise that God gives us also gives us confidence for future grace. I didn't coin that word future grace. The guy called John Piper, he says, you can have confidence in the future because you have a confidence in God's future grace. The promise that God gives us now helps us look forward, gives us confidence for tomorrow. And in Luke 2.27, it says that this man, Simeon, who's been waiting over 400 years, I don't know how long you guys have been waiting, but he's been waiting for a long time. It says that he was moved by the Spirit and he went into the temple courts. Meaning he was so in tune with the Spirit of God. He was in tune with his word. He was in tune with who he was as a believer. That he was able to listen to the Spirit and go to the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. I believe it's in the, uh, the ESV says, Simeon blessed God. Simeon blessed 
God. And in this season when we're always looking intrinsically at ourselves and what we need, right? Everybody in this room has had uh, the Amazon wish list or shopping list or there's stuff in your cart that you've saved for later. Amen? Anyone in this room? Right? We're always thinking about our own selfish thing or just, just stuff. Just stuff. We find that Simeon instead blessed God. That in his waiting, he was fulfilled in giving back to God what was due to him. He was blessed in, in that waiting, living a life of passionately patient endurance in God's promise. He was fulfilled that by that. He says, and he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. And this begins what people have called Simeon's song. This is a whole song. Uh, in, in Latin, it's like nunc dimittis or something like that. But it's basically saying, now, Lord. He goes, now, Lord. Now, sovereign Lord. Now, the one who I am a slave to. I am a love slave to. The one who I adore. The one who I've given myself to. I am satisfied. And the reality is this man, Simeon, will never see the fulfillment of what Jesus came to do. Do you know that? He doesn't get to see that. How much more do we have now an opportunity to look for? Because now we have the whole Bible. If we had only the Old Testament, how much more can we have faith in what God has for us? He goes again, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Your servant, your love slave. The word there is doulos. Like, I am, I am, I am fulfilled, my master. I'm glad you're here. He's talking to a baby. How weird is that? You know, they talk about Mary, did you know? You know, she knew. Okay, first of all, she knew, right? But, like, think about this old guy who's been waiting for a while, and he gets to, his parents come up, and for sure they begin to share. How else would he know? How else would he know that this is the Messiah? They begin to recount the stories of what had happened to them, the star, and all these different things. And at this point, for those who are deep Bible nerds, they gave two doves, so they were totally broke. So this is like, they didn't get like all the wise men gave all these cool, fancy things. Again, if you're like on the deep dive end, that's for you. But the point is like, they, they came and they told the gospel. That's all they had. All they had was a promise to deliver to this man words of truth. And he held on to those words of truth, and he was satisfied. Like, that's a special kind of like unique like satisfaction that comes from knowing God, from having patience in God and trusting in him. See, waiting is an act of love. Waiting is an act of love. It's what it is. That's why when you're dating someone, you have boundaries because it's an act of love. It's a way that allows you to have fullness and freedom because you're willing to wait. You're willing to have the fullness of what God has for you. See, that's hard for us because if we're honest, my preference is me. Okay, I'll tell you right now. You guys right here, I love you, <laughs> but <laughs> my preference is me, all right? Like I have to fight my flesh to begin to love you. That, that's what happens when we come into a room and you see someone in the side standing alone. You're like, do I want to? I don't want to make it awkward. And you go away because your preference is you. Right? When you're talking about serving, you know, for all these different things, you're like, ah, uh, I'm going to sleep a few more hours. Why? Because your preference is you. But we are to be a people who trust that God's going to use us. Because we talked about how life change happens in context of relationship. Otherwise, life can't change. Things can't move. 
unless we put ourselves in that place again, what acting or waiting is an act of love. Waiting forces you to think outside of yourself, to think of others. And we see again in Luke chapter 30, 230, that his purpose is fulfilled. It says, for my eyes. And this is why he says, I can die now. That's his statement. He now goes, okay, now I can rest. I can take a nap. Now I can go back home. And he goes, now I can die. Like, that's it. And for, the, for many of us, the thing that we fear most is death. For some people, it's public speaking, but whatever. Uh, but like, like, that's the thing. He goes, my life is complete. And this is why. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in, sight, in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory, your people, Israel. He was excited that this Savior had come not just for him, but for all nations, for you. Look at the people in this room. Every tribe and tongue and people and nation are represented in this room. He was excited for this. He was excited for a picture of heaven. And I'm not saying trying to diminish the things that you wait for and the things that you want to look forward to. But gosh, can you imagine? He's waiting. He's never going to see what Jesus does. But he goes, dude, this little baby right here, he's the man. Literally, the God man. But anyway, like he's going to do great and powerful and wonderful things. He was passionately patient and yet still had to wait. He still had to wait. Like his waiting doesn't end. It continues. He's waiting now to pass on and to, to, to pass uh, into glory. Isaiah 40, 10 through 11 shows us an image of what he was waiting for. And this was his promise. What's what we could hold on to? It says that uh, in 40, 40, 10 of Isaiah, see the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules. And again, this is like his Bible or he's reading. And he sees the baby and he responds. But anyway, comes with power and he rules with mighty and a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Then Isaiah 40, 28, he goes, do you not know? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. Now, I don't know how many times you guys have been here. You must have been here maybe. This is your first time and you're like, who's this random African guy? Like just saying these things to me. He's laughing and doing all this stuff. But like, do you, have you not heard this outside of this context? Maybe you've not heard this from me, but you've heard it from Pastor Sarah. You've heard it from the two Pastor Brian's. It's very confusing. But like you've heard these things said and spoken and sung. Do you not know that he is the everlasting God? My friend, my brother, my sister, if you are waiting for something, this God is the everlasting God who keeps his promises. He's not slow to keep his promises. And he'll, he'll fulfill all he has called to you in your life. You can trust him. You might be in this room, you're like, That's, that sounds wild. It is wild because it's God is wild about us. He is real. And amongst us, closer than next breath, he is Emmanuel, God with us. Again, it says, he's the, the Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the, of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding. None can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. How many of you guys need strength for the holidays? If you're being honest, like going to your family's home, it's, that's like the biggest mission field ever. You guys are going to Africa and you know, making it public. And we're like, like your home 
we were like, that's great food, auntie. That's amazing. Liars, all you guys. But like to, 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 to listen to the tea and then like just be patient and to extend grace. He goes that if you are, he, will, he himself will not grow weary or tired. And his understanding none can fathom. He gives us the strength. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now the progression there does not make sense. I grew up watching this show called Radio Flyer. Anyone else watch the movie Radio Flyer? 90s babies. Praise God. Anyway, only Pastor Sarah's here. Anyway, cool. What's happening is this. These kids, these kids build this radio flyer, like, plane from the radio flyer wagon. And when, when they want to make it fly, I have to put an engine and all these cool things in it because they're ex- escaping uh, their family and whatever. It's, it's wild. Uh, they begin to walk, right? And then they begin to run and then they soar, right? There's a progression. But in this text, the progression is different, right? It looks like it says they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It's as if, like... The progression is going backwards. It's as if the way we are to wait in God is not by running around, praying too much. That sounds a weird, like a weird thing, right? Because sometimes our faith is in prayer and not the God who answers prayer, like I said earlier on. But doing all these things to achieve what God, we believe God wants for us or what we want, uh, or we want for ourselves. He says the best way for us to do so is by resting. Is by resting in him. Is by being patient, by being content. And contending. That's an interesting thing, right? Christians can be content and still contend. That you have victory from this place of patience and wholeness and waiting. And the answer or the truth is that waiting for God is always worth it. I mean, this man's life is complete. That's what he says. He goes, my life is complete. This is it. I'm done. I'm satisfied. I'm fulfilled. Waiting for God. And trusting him in that middle ground is always worth it. And we find that our purpose is actually revealed in that waiting time. We find out who we are. Because imagine if you would marry that guy from 10 years ago. Ick. I don't know what your life was. Like, when you look back, right, and begin to process all these things, and you're like, wow, I really did need to leave that job. Like, oh my gosh, I was holding on to this one thing, and yet God had better for me. There's this picture I've seen on the internet with this girl, and she has this toy in front of her, and she doesn't want to give it to, and it's an image of Jesus. But behind Jesus' back has this big old teddy bear, like a, like a Jamama teddy bear, right? Like a, you know what, guys ever had a Jamama teddy bear? Like the ones that sell at Costco? Heck yeah, all right, all right. See, okay, okay, the point is this. Like she wouldn't give up that small thing, and yet Jesus had bigger for her. That might be you. And you're holding on to this thing, you're you're pushing on it. God has much more that He wants to give you. Staying in God's will fulfills us and fulfills our purpose. And as we trust Him, we find that He is the true reward. See, the reward is not going to be uh, really getting our promise, on, like getting what we want. Honestly, the reward is always going to be Him. Like heaven is is heaven because God is there. Ultimately, that's what happens. We get to heaven, it's all about God. It's singing and dancing and, yes, eating for those who are like the people who love ham on Christmas and not turkey. 
my people in the room, I love y'all, I love y'all. Like it's, there's, there's feasting. It's called the feast of the Lamb. That's what happens. We rejoice because he is the center of it all. That's what happens. God is with us in this waiting. God is, is the answer. He is the promise that we're looking forward to. The question, the, the question comes for us, how then do we be uh, patient in that that whole thing. And for some of us, that takes rhythm, takes a ritual, takes a consistency. And I would say that really what happens is that in that waiting period, we, we grow spiritually because we have to put in the work to read the word. We have to put in the work to be with one another, uh, to learn and trust. And the Bible says uh, when Paul writes that I beat my body into submission, I am not shadow boxing, right? We have to put in those rhythms because I remember being a young man and being an intern at a church, and during one of the rules during internship was you couldn't date, you know. And one of my fellow interns was like, "Dude, I want to date this girl." And I was like, "Bro, bro, I want kisses too, for real. I do, I do." But, but everybody loves snuggles, y'all. But the thing is this: the thing is this. But I was like, "Yo, but we have an opportunity now to grow in our character, because everyone has, you know, a list. Everyone has all these things. Like, well, right now." We're, we're working on being like the people that God wants us to be so we can be whole people for those that we meet, so we can be whole people for those who are hurting and needy, so we can be uplifted. Your pain, your time of, of, of waiting in that process will form you into who God wants you to be so you can be a blessing to others. See, again, ritual strengthens our devotion to God. And so what happens is this. We have an opportunity to follow some normal rhythms. And for some of us, that may look like uh, being in a relationship with uh, people in a small group where you can be real and honest and wait. Like, you can be real again and honest and wait and be like, yo, like, I've been praying for this job and it's not coming. And you can be comforted by those who have themselves been comforted. You can uplifted by those who have themselves been uplifted by the Lord. We are to build into our lives rituals that, again, we focus our hearts on God. And so, how do we do this? One, practically, right? Because this is great for us to hear this word, and I believe the Spirit's washing over us as we hear these things. But practically, what does it look like? you got to be real with yourself, all right? Can we be real? Y'all don't want to be real. <laughs> It's wild, man. Anyway, you guys got to be real, but you don't want to be real, but whatever. That was such a high school pastor joke. I am not happy with myself. But here we are. The way for us to, to be patient passionately or practically, one, acknowledge that you are in a season of waiting. For some of us, we don't want to be real about that. Like, yo, you're not ready to be married. Be real. Like, come on. You, you can barely put gas in your car. You got no job, bro. Like, dude. Like, there's things where it's like, dude, I want this to happen. I want this to happen. But, dude, you, you want a job, but you, you barely make your bed. And you're 25. Like, wake up. Make your bed. These practical things. He goes, you got to be real. Look at yourself. This is the way, the way Paul puts it. He goes, examine yourself. And he's talking about being in the faith. He goes, examine yourself. See if you are truly in the faith. Now, this is impractical. Examine yourself. Are you really ready for this thing that you're hoping for, waiting for? Like, you want to buy that new camera. This is my story, right? Because I, I also shoot. I take pictures. I want to buy this new camera. But, bro, I don't shoot 
films. I don't need to buy a $25,000 camera. Bro, like, and if you guys want to donate, my cash app is, just kidding. Uh, but I need to be real with myself, and you need to be real with yourself and the Lord and acknowledge that you are in a season of waiting to bring your frustrations to the Lord. Right? Bring your frustrations to the Lord. He's big enough to handle your anger. He's big enough to handle your pain. He's big enough to handle all your confusion. Yes, I said confusion, right? What we're terming as mental health. Yes, we're confused and hurt and like thrown aside. We feel lost. He's able to handle all those things and bring those frustrations to him. Wait in healthy community. Like I said, jump into a small group. Get to know one another, love one another. Like we say here at our church, the life change happens in relationship. It's all about the Lord. And if we are to be a people who delight in God's word, that happens when we are in a small group. I went one, two, three. I almost said all of them, my bad. I was just counting now. Uh, but this is a reality. You can only have those opportunities if you're willing to be open. Again, that takes courage. Like we said earlier on, waiting takes courage. But there's always a reward for those who choose to rest and trust him and to be humble because, again, he says he will renew your strength. Uh, the last one is going to be build rhythms as the worship team comes up. Build rhythms that help you focus your heart on God. And one of those rhythms that we're going to talk about and actually functionally do tonight as a rhythm is having communion. See, what we're doing by having communion is remembering, is refocusing our hearts, is saying, God, I am not enough, but you are enough. You are Jireh. You are the God who provides all that I need. You are Jehovah Nisi. You are also a prince of peace. I can trust you. And as we do this, we live in anticipation for his glorious return. Remember that his sacrifice that he gave for us was to give us all that we need, all that we're waiting for. Because truly when you think about it and you think about things like fasting, you're ultimately fasting to get the better thing. You're laying aside something to get the bigger, the wholesome thing. And that is Jesus. We're laying aside these things to know that God fulfills all of our need. He fulfills our all in all. And what I would encourage you to do, if you have not given your life to this God, again, only the righteous can have this power to wait, can, can feel the weakness of their body and yet be strengthened by the Spirit of God. I would encourage you to come and have a conversation with myself or Pastor Brian or Pastor Sarah or any of the leaders who are in this room. They have name tags around their necks and whatnot. And there are people who know this God, who want to introduce you to this God. And if you've not done that, you've not given your life to this God, I would say, don't, don't do this. This is not for you. Do not be a hypocrite in saying that I do trust this God. Because by taking communion, you're saying, God, I trust you. I lay everything else down. I, I acknowledge what you did for me. From the moment that you are that you were you were you were arrested, you were beaten. He never slept, had holes in his hands. The back, his back was beaten and, and whipped 39 times because 40 was considered barbaric. He doesn't sleep from the time he was arrested. He dies on the cross from asphyxiation because he couldn't hold his body up. He's up there for a long time. And then he rises back up again. Why? To give us freedom. That's what you're acknowledging by taking this. If you've accepted the Lord, then yes. If you've not, please come have this conversation. We want you to enter into this joy. We want you to know what it means to be passionately patient, what it means to wait on the Lord and watch him fulfill all your needs. 
I'm waiting for the keys to play because spirits flow through the keys. All right, cool. Is it coming? All right, cool. Awesome. Here we go. Thank you. All right on cue, right on cue. Um, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Matthew 6, uh, 9, 1 through, uh, 9, uh, 6, 9 through 13 says this. Um, and as I read this, I want you guys to have the knowledge that in this room, once I'm done with this scripture, I'm going to pray and bless you. Um, allow the Lord to wash over you. I want you guys to respond by taking communion. You've trusted Jesus to respond in singing. Right, respond and sing these words because they are not empty words. And Joshua says these words are our life, words to, ma- to march by. This is our, our devotion to God. It says in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, let your kingdom come. This is what he's waiting for. How do we pray? Lord, your kingdom will come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, I ask that as we have spent time just worshiping over this text, you've told us and showed us that there are people who have waited much longer for the things that we are waiting for. But God, we get to see and experience this side of Calvary, your fulfillment. Lord, you know all of our needs and things we're holding on to and waiting for. And we're just so happy that you don't discount our pain. Your word says that if we want bread, you don't give us a stone. Lord, we're grateful that you are God who sees all of our needs. But we're even more grateful for the cross. We're more grateful that you fulfilled all of our needs and satisfied us in yourself, Lord. And as we take of this bread and this juice, Lord God, let us remember your sacrifice of a body that was broken that you willingly gave yourself for us. And for your blood that was shed for us to make us new, Lord. I bless my brothers and sisters in this room. May they experience your love and your grace anew. Renew their strength as they wait on you. And our God's people said, amen. If you're ready to take communion, know that uh, there will be a few stations for you to do so. Right at the back, there's a TV that has some on the table. And also to uh, my right on that longer table, if you are on that gluten-free plan, praise God, there's going to be uh, some to my left, your right. Amen? Amen. Let's respond to this.